welcome to another audio podcast from Christchurch Christian Centre. We've uh, been looking at Nehemiah, and we're going to have some more looks at him this morning. And uh, another day or so, we'll, we'll look at this. And I'm going to read to you from chapter one in the book of Nehemiah. <clears throat> It's only a short chapter, 11 verses, so I'll read it all to you. Nehemiah chapter 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel at Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and distress, disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servants praying before you day and night for your servants and people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon... I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. Amen. We started by looking at the way Nehemiah in chapter 4 placed people at the lowest part of the wall, do you remember? And uh, I applied it to the church and I said, this year, as we build, we want to start with the lowest part and put some men alongside, men and women alongside that. And I suggested that our lowest part is possibly prayer. And so as a church, we want to build up our prayer life, and Heather Rickman has agreed, to, has agreed to be our prayer coordinator, and if you're staying to lunch, she's going to come and have a chat with you and see how you can get involved. And then last week, we looked a little bit at Nehemiah himself and how God called him and sustained him and so on, and we also looked at the instruction he gave in chapter 4, fight for your families. And uh, I said, really, in our praying, we also want to include our families, especially the youngsters, because there's so much pressure out there today. Um, You know, I don't know if you read the papers, you probably do, or watch the television news, but there's so much pressure on youngsters, isn't there? And we can help them by praying for them. And yes, of course, teaching them too. But to pray for them, particularly because as you're older, you're wiser, and you can see dangers they don't always see. And today I want to look a little bit more at prayer, and I want to look at this prayer in chapter 1. i just remind you, in chapter 6 it says, in verse 15, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul. 
In 52 days, they completed the wall. So that's amazing. And in chapter 1, although we're talking about prayer and sometimes we think, oh, I'm not much of a prayer. I don't spend much time praying. I don't get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray. You might, I don't know what your thoughts go through your head, but most people would say, well, I could be be- my prayer life could be better. Most of us would say, I'm not, I'm not saying anything this morning to get at you if that's how you feel. In fact, I'd say if you just pray for a few minutes a day, that's great. It's a great place to start. It's a great place to start. But the thing about prayer is we've got, we've got the honour to pray. We've got the right to pray. It's such a privilege. We can go to God, you know, the God of heaven, and talk to him. And he hears what we have to say. So God ensured that the job was completed, chapter 6. He made sure the job was completed. And God gave them success in adversity. Because there was a lot of pressure on them from outside not to finish the job. Uh, But God was with them. And God gave them success. And he gives us success. The Lord Jesus Christ completed the work his father gave him. And if ever there was uh, opposition to what God wanted in the life of an individual, Jesus faced opposition every turn. They tried to trip him up. They tried to uh, trick him into doing things uh, or saying things that were going to uh, put him in the wrong that the devil personally attacked Jesus on different occasions, tempting him. It says at the beginning of the Gospels, he tempted Jesus, and then it says he left him for a while. So he came back again another time. And Jesus faced great opposition, but God ensured that the work he'd given his son to do was completed, and he strengthened Jesus, and Jesus did go to the cross, and he did die for us just as was prayed this morning. And in your lives and in my life, Jesus will complete the work even in adversity. But we want to uh, consider prayer, and we want to see how, by God's grace, we'll finish the job he's given us to do as well. Prayer is critical. Prayer was part of the starting place for rebuilding the wall. We know when he got to Jerusalem, he, he rode out at night and inspected the wall and saw what needed doing and so on. And we know that he had to encourage the others that were there to get involved in the building. And we know that he had to get favour from the king. But it started with prayer. It was there at the beginning. Yes, Nehemiah's heart was touched when he heard the news. God obviously touched his heart. But prayer was there at the beginning. And we've got great desires to see people come to know Jesus. And for us to be increasingly effective in bringing people to know Jesus. And part of that is prayer. So we're looking at that this morning again. Um, people do pray. I mean, it's just they do. In chapter 5, he, uh, verse 5, he prays, O Lord, he says, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven. Well, people pray, even if they don't know God. Quite often, people pray. Um, even atheists, they say, an atheist in a, in a trench with bombs falling all, all around will find themselves praying to God. People pray. But Nehemiah, like you and like me, had the honour of knowing God and being confident to pray. God's going to hear me when I pray. And Nehemiah uh, was sure of that. And as he prays, he's really, really asking God. What he's asking God really essentially is, I want you to change the king's heart. I want you to make that man agree to give me favor. 
I want you to do that so that I can go and rebuild the wall. That's where he's headed as he prays. In his prayer, in verse 11, he says it very explicitly. He says, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's talking about the king. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So let's pretend this is the king. God is up there and uh, I'm the cupbearer. And he can say yes or no. He can, he can say kill that man. He can say take him away, pull his house down, murder his family. He can do anything. Now, before I talk to him, I'm going to talk to God, and I'm going to say, Dear Father, will you affect, will you affect his thinking? Will you affect his heart, please, so that he gives me favor, so that I can go and do the job you want me to do? That's what he's praying. And as he comes to that place where he asks God, grant your servant success, as he gets there, he's built up to it. Really interesting. He's built up to the prayer, uh, that actual request he's built up to it and i read it to you and i want to unpack that because it's really important the ingredients of nehemiah's prayer if you look in verse five he says oh lord god of heaven the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands oh lord god of heaven the great and awesome god who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commands. The wording of Nehemiah's prayer is based around what he knew of God and God's word. When Nehemiah prayed, he, was, he, he knew in his heart, God is great and awesome. He's almighty. I, I mentioned last Sunday about this new galaxy they found that's over 500,000 light years across, five times bigger than our Milky Way. God made it. He created it from nothing, just by speaking. Let there be. That's how God created things. Yes, awesome. And great God. So essentially, Nehemiah is saying, if, if we put it down, down in his heart a bit, I'm going to ask you for favour. But you're great and awesome. So before I ask you for favour, I'm reminding myself, you are great and awesome, O oh God. And you're the loving God. He says, he says you, you, you keep your covenant of love. So as I come to you, Lord, before I actually ask you, I'm reminding myself, you're great and you're awesome. And you keep your promises. And you're loving. That's what you're like. And, and it's coming. He's getting there. Now, when we pray, it's really good to pray based around what you know about God. Some people who pray say, well, I hope so. I hope, you know, I hope God will hear me. I hope he will. Or they'll say something like, oh, that's not, in, that's not important enough for God. But, you know, God is great and awesome. And, of course, he'll hear you. He's, he's omnipotent. He's everywhere. Omnipresent. He, he knows everything omniscient he knows it all so before you speak it he knows about it and he's great and awesome so he knows and then you might say well it's not that important but God loves you and he keeps his promise I will never leave you or forsake you etc so you could bring it to him because he cares about everything in our lives even the small things you know God cares so 
he's going to come to this prayer, but on the way, he's reminding himself of who he's coming to. And he's speaking to God in those terms. And we, too, can pray around what we know of God's word and what God has said. So, for example, um, in Luke's gospel or, or Matthew, where Jesus taught about taught us how to pray, he, he said, well, we, when you pray, you can pray for daily bread. You can pray for forgiveness. In fact, pray for daily bread. Pray for forgiveness. Jesus said we could. And God, God, will, God will answer. Because Jesus went on and taught, if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, it will be open. If you seek, you will find. So we pray around that, and we don't necessarily uh, bring our mind to bear on it. We just know it's true. So, God, you sent us to this place. Great adversity here, Lord. You sent us here to proclaim your message, to continue to spread the gospel. And you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. So as we come to you, Lord, in prayer for this, your work here, we are reminding ourselves that you sent us, that you're awesome, and that you care, and that you keep covenant. And Lord, we remind ourselves, you said you love the world so much, you sent your son Jesus to die for them. And we remind ourselves. And in, as it goes on in Luke 11, he says, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, ask him. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, ask him. God will give. God will give. God will give. Because he said he will. So we remind ourselves. And Jesus, when he was teaching in John 15, where he's teaching us to abide in the vine, abide in him, he says in verse 7, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, and my words, the things in here, remain in you, you'll be able to ask what you will and it will be done. And by this God, the Father will be glorified that you bear much fruit. And so his prayer is based around his knowledge of God and God's word. And when we pray, we may not uh, speak it out in that way, but we pray based on what we know about God. I will come to God. I will be very bold to come to God because he's washed my sin away. He's made me his child and he wants me to pray. And he wants to answer my prayers. So as we go on in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, as he prays, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servants praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Listen to me, please, Lord. That's what he's saying. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. Our sins, my sins, my father's house sins, I confess them. And Lord, we've acted very wickedly toward you. We've not obeyed your commands, decrees and laws that you gave your servant Moses. We haven't done it. And as I'm coming in a minute, Lord, to ask you for favour, I'm confessing my sin because I want forgiveness. I want nothing in between us. When I come to pray, Lord, I'm reminding myself about who you are, how great you are, and I want nothing in the way to stop you answering my prayer. So I confess my sin to you. And I ask you to forgive me that the channel is open, if you like, so that you can answer prayer because I know you want to. And if you don't, it's because I'm mucking something up somewhere. So please forgive me. Confession of sin is needed. In Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, it says, 
He who conceals his sins does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So Nehemiah is a shrewd guy. Now it may have just come pouring out of his heart, but I think his mind was in gear too. God, please forgive me. Because I'm coming to you to pray. I'm coming to you to pray for my brother, my sister, my mum, whoever. And I want you to hear me, Lord. So I want to make sure there's nothing in between us. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And then you find a knowledge and a belief in God's promises. He, he goes on in verse um, 8. He says, he says, Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Lord, remember that. I remember that. You'll, you'll never forget it, so I'm, I'm saying it to myself, really. Remember this, Lord. You said that, but you also said, Lord, if you return to me and obey my commands, Lord, you said, then if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I'll gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. So, Lord, remember you said that if we do wrong, you scatter us. But also, Lord, would you remember you said that if we turn back to you, no matter how far away we've gone, you'll bring us back. Would you remember that? And of course, God remembers that. Of course, because he said it. Can't forget. He loves us, keeps covenant with us. And so he shows Nehemiah in his praying a knowledge of God's promises and a real belief in God. Lord, I've come to you. You're great and awesome. We've done wrong. I confess it. But, Lord, I'm coming to you boldly because you said you'd restore us. And so he builds his prayer. And he's quoting from Deuteronomy, quoting from Deuteronomy 30, because at the beginning of Deuteronomy 30, uh, Moses told the people, if you sin, God will scatter you. But if you return, he'll bring you back. He did that for me. I was scattered away. But when I turned to God, he brought me back. And... He's showing, Nehemiah is showing a knowledge of that scripture. And he's showing also a knowledge of Second Chronicles 6. Because when the temple was dedicated by Solomon, in his prayer, Solomon got on his knees and he said to God, God, now, if we sin against you and as a result you exile us, if, if that comes about one day, Lord, if when we remember and turn to this place and pray, hear from heaven your dwelling place and answer, and he says in, in Second Chronicles 6, he says, Lord, if we've done wrong so that the, the rains are withheld and so that the, the blessing is, is, is held back, if we repent and turn, Lord, would you hear from heaven your dwelling place and answer? And he goes on like that, always saying, Lord, as we turn to this place and pray, will you hear from heaven your dwelling place and answer? And Nehemiah would have been aware of that scripture. And of course, in the next chapter, God came to Solomon and he said, I've heard your prayer and I'll do it. And right through history, when the Jewish people have cried out to God, he's heard and he's answered. Took them back to their own land in 1948, didn't he? So then he comes, verse 11, he comes to the actual request. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was 